Royal Stanley of Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, offering securities through United Planner Financial Services. Member FINRA SIPC shares his planning approach to help people toward a place where they may be at peace regarding their financial goals. In this dynamic podcast, Royal will share his insights on how to design a retirement plan to help you plan for your future. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Life by Design podcast with Royal Stanley from Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors. Today is part two of a two-set podcast where Royal's talking about risks. Good afternoon, Royal. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. How are you doing, Eric? Doing great. I know last time we, we spoke about risks and you've got a list. Can you give us a recap of what those risks are so we can kind of refresh our memories? Yeah, Absolutely. So we'll, we'll look at kind of the major risks we discussed in the first part of this podcast, but the, the first one's going to be market risk, which is kind of the volatility of uh, the markets, uh, inflation or purchasing power risk, which is the constant increasing of uh, costs, goods and services, that sort of thing. Uh, interest rate risk, which is simply the changing environment that we see all the time with interest rates either going higher or lower. Uh, shortfall risk, which is a risk of uh, not saving enough or not ha- achieving a high enough rate of return to reach those goals. Uh, special situation risks are things that might crop up just for a specific period of time, mm-hmm. such as maybe uh, job loss, planning for college, these, these, these types of, of risks that may just be for a certain period of time in your life. Then we have timing risk. Timing risk is simply the risk of when you need to pull money out of a portfolio or out of an investment, what happens if that's not the right time to do that from an investment standpoint? Mm -hmm. So for instance, if if the markets are down quite a bit at the same time that uh, you need money to uh, begin retirement, that can be a major timing risk. The next risk we, we chatted about was liquidity risk, which is simply if you're using an investment that's not liquid, for instance, let's say real estate, can you liquidate that to raise uh, the cash that you need to fund a goal? Mm-hmm. The next risk is political risk. And that's basically, is is there a possibility of a change in our political system, in the laws that govern the land, in our tax structure? Something that we saw uh, just recently with the introduction of the new tax bill, th- those changes are what we would call a, a political risk. Uh, And then finally, we have societal risks. These are kind of the biggies. These are uh, wars, major recessions, depressions, currency devaluations, those types of issues that really no one has any control over, but we should have at least a plan to kind of factor in there uh, should something like that happen to our portfolios. And that's, I mean, when you're saying social, it's not just uh, you know, United States social, we're talking like a Greece event, you know, or, or, you know, country going bankrupt that affects everyone. A- absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. What, what we're seeing in South America right now with their major currency devaluations, mm-hmm. that would be a societal risk. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So this entire process of going through risks and talking about it, I know that that's all a part of your financial planning process. How does that work in? How, how do these risks come into that process? Well, ultimately, when we sit down with someone for that that first meeting as we're bringing them on board, honestly, probably the biggest risk that they have in their mind is, 
what we would call a shortfall risk. That would be the risk of, do I have enough? Mm, yeah. Will I run out of money in retirement? And I think that's what we're, we're trying to solve for most people's financial plan is whether or not they have enough. Can they reach their goals? Do they have enough money? Uh, and so when we look at that, we have to bring in all those other risks that we talked about to help build that financial plan. So client sits, sits down across from me. They say, this is what I've saved over my time. This is my age. This is how long I think I'll live. This is my, my family medical history. These are the concerns I have. Here's all the other special situations we might be looking at. Do I have enough? Got it. And so from there, it's really a question of, okay, well, all this money that you've saved, you know, is it in a pension that's uh, guaranteed? So for instance, if they're an Oregon State uh, employee, they probably have some form of Oregon PERS. So that gives us a good sense of what they can expect for the next 20 to 30 years. Mm -hmm. Most people have Social Security, but some people don't. I've worked with a few pastors who have actually opted out of Social Security, and that brings up a whole other range of planning issues that we have to look at. Mm -hmm. uh, we have other people who might have a railroad retirement or, or some other form of retirement that we'll have to look at. But what about all that other uh, savings they've done, for instance, in 401ks, 403bs, uh, after-tax accounts, that sort of thing? How is that invested? How are we going to project out over the course of 20, 30, or 40 years how those portfolios are going to do over time? And are they subject to either too much mar market risk for that individual person? Or is there too much risk there actually on the other end of the spectrum there where they're not making enough in, the, in a portfolio, they're not being aggressive enough, Mm -hmm. and they're having the risks of uh, inflation or interest rate risk. And I think the question is, 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 well, how would interest rate risk affect someone who's just sitting in cash? And that's actually pretty easy to look at because for years and years, you could have an account open at the bank and earn 4 to 5% on your money virtually risk-free just letting it sit there at the bank and let the bank use that money and pay you uh, some form of interest. But over the last 10 years, as the Fed has forced interest rates lower and lower, that wasn't an option anymore. So if, if we have uh, people who have just been sitting in cash that entire period of time, they've lost a lot of purchasing power over that, that period of time. And if we don't look at at least making some tweaks or changes to that portfolio over the next 20 years, that can create some major issues. Yeah. If, I mean, if it's sitting in a bank in a savings account, it's it can't be making hardly any percentage at all. And then you've got inflation on top of that, which basically makes it negative. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And, and that is a fairly recent phenomenon here. So what we want to do is when we sit down with a client is – Look at all those risks that are on their mind. That would be the shortfall risk, maybe special situations. Maybe they're just finishing up getting a kid through college or uh, out of the house. We also look at, I think the popular term here is the sandwich generation, mm -hmm. which are people who are in that special situation of they're putting kids either through high school or college 
And then they also have uh, parents who are getting older that those parents are going to be dependent on their children to provide care, to provide a place to live, and that sort of thing. So we want to explore all those and see what we can do to manage away some of those risks. Mm-hmm. So the other things that, that we look at when we're building a financial plan and looking at those risks is what about what happens when you have a married couple where one spouse dies much earlier than we would expect. Now, normally what we're using for most of our life expectancy uh, results for a financial plan, usually our default is 90, 95. We'll look at family history and uh, maybe even bump it up a little bit higher there. But what happens if within two to three years after retirement, a spouse passes away? What issues are going to come up there? How is Social Security going to be affected? How is pensions going to be affected? Mm-hmm. We want to look at all of that and just try to determine, is is there a way that we can offset some of that risk, maybe with life insurance, maybe with looking at maximizing Social Security benefits, maybe with, with, with other things. For instance, even just the idea of a reverse mortgage, is that something that's appropriate just as an additional layer of protection? Mm-hmm for a client. The other big risk is simply living too long. What happens if someone lives well beyond the projections that we built into our financial plan? Hmm. So one of my big concerns as a financial planner, as I look out over the next 40, 50, 60 years is what happens if we begin to see life expectancies increase from the mid 80s all the way up to maybe the mid 90s, up past 100, what happens there to Social Security? What happens to client portfolios that, yes, you had enough money to have a 30-year retirement, but what happens when we have to stretch that over 50 years along with all the other risks of interest rates, inflation, Mm -hmm. and all of that? So that is another big concern that we look to at least provide some planning around And that's one of the things that we do in our financial plan is we begin measuring what your retirement surplus is, basically saying, how much money do you have left over in your plan once we project uh, you passing away? How much excess room do you have to fund your needs if you do live longer? Mm -hmm. So uh, the other things we want to look at, especially for younger clients, uh, is what happens if they lose the ability to work or if we have long-term unemployment, like we saw in 2008, 2009, those types of things uh, we really can't plan for. Those are those special situation risks. And that's where we like to see clients and we help clients build up that reserve so that they have money to fall back on that's outside of their retirement plans Uh, to fund uh, some sort of period where they can't work, they cannot earn an income. But it's before the point that they would actually be able to retire. Got it. Another risk, and this kind of fits back into that sandwich generation, is what happens if there's a family member who needs long-term care? And, And where I see this most often is in the spousal relationship, uh, husband for wife or wife for husband, 
where in the case of a stroke or dementia, most often, we, we, ha- we have to see that spouse step up and begin providing care. And my big concern there is, is the toll it takes on the caregiver. Absolutely. Because if you look at the statistics of how much care is provided at home, it, it really is phenomenal. Uh, they, they say about 70% of all long-term care is given in the home. And most often that's provided by a family member like a spouse. And so what we try to do there is when we're looking at planning for a long-term care need, it's not necessarily to have a plan, but to increase the number of options that are available to the family member and to the family should care be needed down the road. Now, very rarely do people come in and say with long-term care, uh, when we had that long-term care discussion, hey, I want to go into a nursing home. Most people say, I want to stay at home as long as possible, as long as I'm not a burden. Absolutely, yeah. And so we just try to work around that and give people options, both with the money they've saved for retirement, uh, but also possibly looking at uh, offsetting some of that risks by using uh, an insurance company and a long-term care policy uh, to move some of the, those liabilities to that insurance company. And I would think that each person has their own individual idea of what being a burden means, right? I mean, as far as if my mental capacity goes down, I'm not going to be able to make the decisions then. So obviously this conversation needs to start early, but if it's, you know, if it's possible for me to stay in my home, that'd be great because then I'm still with my family. But if, if it's going to stress my wife out or she's going to be injured trying to help me, I don't want that. Absolutely. And I also have the, the, uh, the uh, clients who truly believe, and they have had this conversation with their kids of, we raised you for 18 plus years. If we get sick, it is your responsibility to take care of us. Hmm. And, hmm. and uh, you know, I think it really depends on your relationship with your kids. Uh, whether or not that's a viable strategy, but in some cases it really is. Royal, that's got to make for some interesting conversations because it's, I I can't imagine being a fly on the wall with parents telling their kids that depending on the relationship, like you said, it could go really well or it could go really bad. That's right. So as long as everybody's on the same page there, uh, I I think it it can be a strategy, uh, but it really depends on, on that relationship. Uh, and also the location of your kids. A True. lot of times we see kids kind of scatter to the four winds and, and that's just not an option for most people. Mm-hmm. So having that conversation ahead of time is a very, very good way of protecting yourself there down the road. And I think that brings up kind of the next little piece of this is making sure that you have the proper documents in place. So you're not putting yourself at risk of having decisions made on your behalf. That if you were able to speak for yourself, you wouldn't have made. Yeah. And that's where having you know a properly drawn up power of attorney comes into a place, writing out your advanced directives uh, and living well, basically saying, these are the things that are important to me. And th- these are th- the things that I want if I am no longer able to make those decisions for myself. Yeah, that's so important. So finally, as we kind of wrap up the things we look at here. Uh, one thing that I see that, that gets overlooked quite often is most people have their auto insurance and home insurance just taken care of. Really no, nothing to worry about there, but 
The biggest piece that I see missing there is an umbrella policy of some kind, Mm -hmm. especially for my more affluent clients, that basically increases that level of liability protection uh, up to usually that two or three million dollar range that sits on top of your auto or home policy that gives you that that protection in case there is an accident, in case uh, you know you ha- you have a, a a party at your home and somebody falls or trips. You have that extra layer of protection for the assets you've accumulated, so you're not the target of uh, a lawsuit where we can put those things at risk. Yeah. So can you can you explain kind of how the umbrella policy does that? Yeah, absolutely. So when you have your homeowner's policy or auto policy, those have liability limits. So let's say that they have a $500,000 liability limit. Now, a lot of times when there's a lawsuit that involves, for instance, pain and suffering or those types of things, Mm -hmm. they can go well beyond those limits. And that's where you as the defendant can have quite a bit of legal liability. So that umbrella policy simply sits on top of your personal home and auto policies and increases those limits up to, in some cases, one, two, or $3 million, basically just providing you more protection there in case of something tragic happening. You know, the, the, the number one example I think I see is if you have a pool of, God forbid, you know, a child using your pool and drowning, probably the worst case scenario I can think mm-hmm. of. Yeah. But in that case, having that personal umbrella, umbrella protection provides you that extra coverage in the event of a lawsuit in that case. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. So what we do now that we've kind of defined these risks, we look at all these other risks that are on the table is we begin pulling all this together into our financial plan. So what that looks like is, is really an evaluation from top to bottom of what are the risks that you have in your own particular situation. Um, We'll go ahead and look at the market risk of your portfolio along with interest rate risk and inflation. We'll bring in all those special situation risks like long-term care, like uh, long-term unemployment or disability, and build all that into a plan that although we can't defer all of those those risks away or, or uh, eliminate them completely, we can at least have a plan to minimize their effect on your lives going forward. Roy, you've given us a really good view of, of the risks, and you're talking about how you put all this together inside a financial plan to protect your clients. Can you give me a, a concrete example just so I can wrap my brain around how this all works? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll bring up a few here just so we can see some specific situations where planning around these risks greatly benefit people's lives. So Perfect. one thing that I've seen quite often is after the 2008 financial crisis, a lot of people are very distrusting of the markets. They just don't want to have anything to do with it. So they keep their portfolios extremely safe. Maybe they're sitting in cash. And what happens over time is that inflation erosion that we Mm -hmm. see, they just don't have enough money 
uh, if they keep things in cash to fund their their lifestyle over the rest of their lives. So we really have to begin having that conversation of what to do with the assets you've accumulated and what you're what you're willing to risk either in the market or in some sort of investment vehicle because you have to do something more than just leave it in cash. Now, sometimes if you have enough money, hey, you can leave it in cash and still fund all of your needs. But most people, they need to have some help from the market, from a good investment plan to reach those goals. So oftentimes, I'll start working with a client. And while we will build the financial plan, when we begin to implement um, the strategies, we'll start to see a lot of pushback here and realize that they're just not comfortable with any amount of risk or market volatility there. So we definitely have to begin changing the way we look at that client's investment portfolios to say, what other strategies can we use here to at least provide some rate of return? Or is there a way of maybe maximizing some of their other assets, for instance, you know, do they have property that they can they can leverage, either through uh, rents or to sell it to add more to uh, their portfolio assets down the road? So by looking at that fear of the market uh, creates a whole lot of other risks there that can produce shortfall risk, can produce interest rate risk, and can produce inflation risk. So working with clients through that is all part of our financial planning process. So let me give you a scenario. Mm-hmm. And you tell me if I'm, if I'm kind of getting this and I'm, I'm accurate. I'm 55 years old. I come into your office and I say, okay, here's what I've got. I've got, you know, whether it's an IRA or Roth or, you know, 401k, I've got different things from different areas. This is how much I've got for savings. And my goal is to retire at 65. And by projecting things out, kind of looking at the risks and taking all of that into consideration, you come back and say, here's what it looks like. If you want to live this type of lifestyle, it looks like your money would last until you're you know, projecting your, you know, the next 10 years of earnings still and so on and so forth. It looks like you would have enough to fund your retirement until about 75 which is going to fall short of most projections of, of life expectancy, right? So let's say all my family lived to 90. So now I know I'm 15 years short. How do you make those adjustments and, 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 and figure out when I can retire or what, I, what things I can do in the next 10 years to, to kind of shore up those accounts or, or whatever? How's that work? Absolutely. There has to be trade-offs there. Um, oftentimes, you know, unless somebody comes in and says, hey, I, I have a problem with spending too much and I need help budgeting down, mm-hmm. I'm going to assume that if a client says that they need $4,000 a month or $8,000 a month, whatever that number is, to live their life comfortably, whatever, however they define comfort for them, mm-hmm. that's the number we're going to plan for. Uh, very rarely do I, I come back to them and say, well, if you cut your spending in half, You'll be fine. Yeah. If That's you don't just eat. not realistic. <laughs> if you don't eat people. next week, you'll be good. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. If you skip the rest of the dinners for the rest of your life, you should be good. Here. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's not a real strategy. So what we'll look at there is maybe small adjustments to their spending. Uh, the other thing I, I talk to people quite often about is simply what we see in spending through retirement. That the average uh, couple or individual will have a spike in spending there 
early on in retirement. And then as they approach their late 70s into their early 80s, their spending really begins to drop. Now, from a financial planning process, we don't want to cut that monthly need that they have there, even though we know that their spending requirements will probably go down as, as they get older uh, and move into their 80s and 90s. Got it. That makes sense. All right. How do we put all this together today? So basically, what we can do for our clients is eliminate all of these risks and worries that they might have and at least give them a plan so that they know that these have been addressed and looked at by a professional. Now, obviously, we can't predict the future. What we try to give people whenever we build a financial plan is options to approach the future in the best way possible. We can't eliminate all risks, but we can definitely come up with a plan for how to look at them uh, and address them. And through our annual review process, we can build those into the plan as they begin to happen, as you start to have a long-term care event, maybe a a change in health. We can look at all of those and have a plan to help you and guide you through the rest of your life. Well, the most important thing that I'm hearing out of this entire two set podcast is open communication with your office. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's get them communicating. How do they reach out to you? You can reach out through the website. You can actually schedule an appointment uh, right through the website at opfa.com. Or you can give me a call at 541-772-1116. Great. Thank you, Royal, for your time. My pleasure. All right. Thank you, everyone out there listening to today's podcast, the Life by Design podcast with Royal Stanley. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Royal comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. For everyone at Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Life by Design podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The views expressed are those of the presenter and may not reflect the views of United Planner Financial Services. Material discussed is meant to provide general information and is not to be construed as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. Individual needs vary and require consideration of your unique objectives and financial situation. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Advisory services offered through Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, Inc. Securities offered through United Planner Financial Services of America, member FINRA and SIPC. Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, Inc. and United Planners Financial Services are independent companies.